this issue is pertinently raised in those terms in the very first two declarations sought by the applicant. In considering this question, something more needs to be said about diversity, particularly in the context of public schools. Public schools are juristic entities and organs of state. The Constitution recognizes that the society within which public schools function is diverse. The relevant portion of the preamble to the Constitution has been referred to above, but is quoted again here, quote, We the people of South Africa believe that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, united in our diversity, end of quote. The need to celebrate this diversity has been emphasized in our judgments. The concept of the unity of our nation from this diversity is well known and has often been recognized. The Schools Act provides for a uniform system for the organization, governance and funding of schools. It records in the preamble that the achievement of democracy in South, Af in South Africa has consigned to history the past system of education which was based on racial inequality and segregation. It states that the country requires a new national system for schools which will address past injustices in education provision, provide an education of progressively high quality for all learners. Returning then to the question posed at the outset of this section, namely whether a public school may hold out that it has adopted one religion to the exclusion of others, we suggest the answer is no for these reasons. First, feeder communities continually evolve and must be encouraged to evolve given an unnatural residential demographic configuration that has resulted from historic laws that were racially skewed. Second, take the case of the minority religion or non-religion affili affiliated learner who, driven by economic and other, and other circumstances to have no choice in the matter, attends a school that has adopted an ethos based on a religion not only other than her own but exclusionary of her own, even accepting the existence of SGB rules that make non-attendance at religious observances voluntary and substantively free and fair, does the fact that the school holds out itself out as subscribing to the ethos of a religion different from and exclusionary of hers likely inculcate a sense of inferior differentness in her? Not always and not necessarily, depending on the learner, but we think it could. Third, accepting as one must that the SGB rules must provide equitably for all faiths, given present and evolving future demographics, would the adoption of a single faith brand that excludes others not misrepresent the legally required position, that all faiths, that, that, rather that learners of all faiths are or should be welcome? We think it would. But it is suggested that the protagonists here are plainly interested parties and declaratory relief without any concomitant consequential orders may legitimately serve as a guide to them. There is the question of the reach that such a declaratory order should assume. The applicant's list of allegedly unlawful conduct is comprehensive as we have remarked at the outset. We have found that the principle of subsidiarity could conceivably legitimize depending on the peculiar circumstances pertaining at a particular school, some of the conduct targeted in the notice of motion, but that, where it, but that whether it does is a matter for the school governing body and the department in the first instance. We have found, too, that if such conduct is considered unlawful, the principle of subsidiarity required 
either that the appropriate school governing body rule be attacked as unconstitutional or that the conduct must be attacked as offending the appropriate school governing body rule. We have, however, also found at the lever of principle that neither a school governing body nor a public school may lawfully hold out that it subscribes to only a single particular religion to the exclusion of others. In these circumstances, a declaratory order should not, in our view, extend any further than what we have concluded at the level of principle, nor any further than the first two prayers of the applicant's amended notice of motion. In the circumstances, we issue the following Order A. It is declared that it offends Section 7 of the Schools Act 84 of 1996 for a public school, one, to promote or allow its staff to promote that it, as a public school, adheres to only one or predominantly only one religion to the exclusion of others, and two, to hold out that it promotes the interests of any one religion in favor of others. B, the remainder of the relief claimed is refused. C, there is no order as to costs. That's Judge Willem van Linda at the South Gauteng High Court delivering that judgment uh, to date. Far-reaching one. We're now joined by Freedom of Religion South Africa's Chief Executive, Michael Swain. Uh, thank you for your time, Michael. Judge making it quite clear the way um, his interpretation of uh, the law is. Um, what, are your, what is your response to that ruling? Obviously, the judge uh, in this instance has a very difficult um, decision to make. It is a balancing act between, obviously, the rights to freedom of religion to be able to express that religion and the fact that the Constitution does allow uh, expression of religion and public observance. Um, and try to balance that with, as he said, and as I'm sure you're aware of, the diversity of the society in which we live. So he has obviously stated that a single ethos for a, uh, of religion in a school is something that is not acceptable, but he did stop short of actually giving any form of interdictory relief. So I think, I, think, I, think what, I, think, I think what we have to do here is to actually just step back and, and say we're going to obviously take this under um, advice, and we're going to be very careful to make sure that we understand the judgment first, at which point, at which point we will be happy to make further comments. I think let, let's leave it uh, there because uh, obviously Michael Swain is uh, on the road as well. He's the executive director of Freedom of Religion South Africa, uh, responding to that ruling by Judge Willem Linda in court today. But now we're joined by religious expert uh, Dr. Tibilale Eli Nedohe, who brings us, I suppose, background and, and insight into what this actually means. How significant then is this ruling and how will it change the way these schools which have been identified in particular but perhaps others which you know may operate in similar circumstances go about their daily business well good afternoon uh, <clears throat> look this is this is really far-reaching um, in the sense that uh, uh, it has clarified uh, issues of allegiance of public schools to a particular religion in other words, it is saying that a public school may not call itself a Christian school, it may not call itself a Muslim school or a Hindu school. So what it means is that a school should be left to make sure that in their religious 
observance policy because I, I realize that it, it, it is saying um, a school may observe the um, particular religious uh, um, uh, religions, but it cannot say to anyone who is not willing to attend. It cannot say, therefore, you cannot be in this school. So it it, 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 it has clarified issues because uh, there was fear in uh, this morning expressed by many that perhaps uh, the judge is going to say that school must stop doing what it is doing, and which the judge actually refused to actually uh, commit himself on that, uh, because he's saying it's left to the to the governing school. So that practice that they had has not been stopped. But what it says is that that practice should not be done at a time of teaching and learning. In other words, it cannot be done as part of the school program. Uh, they may do it in the morning or in the afternoon after school, I think. But it is saying anyone who wants to practice religion is free to do so. But it goes further to say that the policy of the school needs to look into equitable a sharing of the time and resources for, for, for particular religions. And, and, and what that means, uh, remember, equitable doesn't mean equal. It means that then the school has to look at the demographics uh, of, of the, the learners who are in that school, and then before they actually begin to practice uh, religion, they need, therefore, to look at how many students or how many learners share a particular religion and also make a provision for instance um, to to call an imam or to call a pastor um, and, and uh, at a particular time so it means in a particular area where it's a Muslim community for instance when they practice that they should not make it a, a Muslim school they should rather allow time to say at a particular time we will be observing religion, or on a particular day, we will be observing religion for a particular religious practice. In other words, they must check as to what percentage it is that will be given how much time as people practice this religion. So we're speaking to Dr. Tibi Layeli Ndohe, who is uh, a religious expert um, from Akado in Limpopo about this. Interesting the way we've put our question, uh, Doctor, and I suppose that is it. And you were explaining uh, before the break that, you know, a school will have to look at its body populace and say, you know, what is the most suitable way of, you know, reflecting the religious needs of the majority of our students. So does that not then leave the potential for minority religions to, still to, to feel and remain alienated within the, the, the schooling community? I think uh, um, what it means is that, for instance, let me break it to practical things. If, for instance, um, there's, there's a building um, that, is, that is erected on, on, on a school that has to observe a particular religion. Um, it, that, 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 that facility must be shared by many. And minority religions, and I think it has to do with the admission as well, that the, the, the admission form must, must really specify whether um, a particular learner adheres to a certain religion. So what it means is that um, people have to accept that there are other religious practitioners and it has to be 
be given facilities to actually make sure that they practice that religion. But that, again, has to do with uh, the, the, the teaching of religion, which, which I think the judge wasn't talking about that. Mm. Because it has to do with the issue of accepting that there are other religions. And, and, and I think um, because the teaching about religious issues is given to um, life orientation, it has to be taught in such a way that uh, it's issue-based, uh, like what we used to do in, in, in universities where you have science of religion or uh, religious studies, where uh, religions are, are, are portrayed. In other words, people expose these religious practices so that children can understand each other. They should not impose any particular religion, but expose. And this has to be lived as well by the by the educators, um, so that everyone feels okay. And I think if um, schools really want to promote this coexistence, they might have to even declare that uh, at a particular time or on a particular day, every kid must come putting on their religious um, uh, clothes so that everyone can feel that if so-and-so is putting on their religious clothing and I'm putting on mine, we still, South Africans, we live together because that's the nature of the society. That's my final question, actually. I mean, my impression is, and I'd like to get your input on that, is that by and large, we are a religious, uh, you know, religiously tolerant country. What does this ruling do, do for that? I mean, does this assist? Well, it, it, it does quite a lot because, you see, for me, it promotes uh, social cohesion uh, and nation building. That we uh, look, um, if, 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 if this is practiced, uh, what it all means is that as South Africans, we will begin to look at other people uh, in other religions and, and look at them as human beings before they become religious. And I think, for me, that's very, very important. And this ruling for me means now that uh, school governing bodies must do their program conscientiously. They need to do their religious policy conscientiously saying we don't want to be seen to be promoting one religion or the other. But what I like is that it doesn't say religion must not be practiced at school. Because there were times where people were saying Christianity or Judaism or Islam has been banned from schools. It has not been banned, but when people practice it, they must not be proselyting or they must not be saying to other learners, you are inferior because you belong to that religion. And and for me, this is profound. And it calls upon us as South Africans to to begin to influence issues such as those. But someone, uh, you know, commented as we were discussing to say, the, the government allows, uh, for instance, in Department of, uh, of Defense, Department of uh, Correctional Services and Police, it allows uh, that there must be uh, chaplains. Why is it that perhaps at schools there should also be chaplains that are paid by the government? This is just one thing that someone was saying, I think also in Parliament yesterday, uh, on these uh, religious issues. So I think in that way, if we could move, if you check at the police, when one is a chaplain, He doesn't promote one religion over others. What he does is to coordinate that religious leaders should come and address their adherence within that particular institution.